All right, this morning we're going to talk about idols. We've been dealing with forgiveness and reconciliation, so I thought we would take a light topic now and just deal with how do we deal with the idols in our hearts. Again, I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of those get-to-the-heart messages. So let's go. We've been in this series called Transformed. Transformed. And we've been looking at how our character is transformed, how our relationships can be transformed. And as Matt, uh, Matt said earlier, I know a lot of you have been dealing with stuff. Let's just say that out loud. You've been dealing with relationships, forgiveness, reconciliation, and, and knowing that that process is a process. It can be long, it can be hard, and I would just continue to encourage you to lean in, trust God, and do the hard things that God is calling us to do. Now, this morning, we're going to start three weeks in transformed purpose. Transformed purpose. And we're going to look at, really, what does it mean to transform the way we look at the future, the way we look at what God ultimately has for us. Way back when we started this series, we said that we kind of gave you some anchor passages in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So that's this big picture verse. And then we've been not only looking at this vision, but the process. And I challenged you way back to, to memorize Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And it's a, it's a powerful one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. For your life is now hidden with Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. So we've had that, that Colossians 3 kind of sink in. We've circled back to that a few times. And I would just encourage you to continue to fill your mind with these words. But when you think about transforming your purpose, we like talking about purpose these days. I think it's all around us. I mean, how, have you, how many of you have been a part of, you know, writing mission statements <laughs> and doing all that work and, and talking about the why? You know, I was looking at Simon Sinek and, you know, the, uh, uh, the TED Talk. Probably one of the most popular TED Talks around is the power of the why, the power of purpose. So it's in our culture. It's in the air we breathe. But yet I believe there's something missing. Something missing as we think about some of these questions. So today we're going to drill down on idols. What are those things in the heart that really keep us from living out the purpose that God has called us to? We're going to learn from the Apostle John this morning. He ends his uh, First John with a simple, dear children, keep yourselves 
from idols. This is not the young John, this is the older John who's looking back and saying this is what matters most. So today as we look at really what is an idol, how do idols work, and then how do we change, we're going to lean into 1 John 2, 15 through 17. So I'd invite you to turn there. We'll have the words on the screen. You can get on our app. You can actually open up a paper Bible. That still works. That's still a beautiful thing. We believe that God's word is true. It's inspired. It's all those things, and it's also the best information we have. The best information we have on what matters most. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So the first question we want to lean into, what is an idol? What is an idol? Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. An idol is loving anything above God. Loving anything above God. The word for love here, in the the Greek, it's the agape, it's that sacrificial love. It's the same word used in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But it is this sacrificial love. Do not love the world. Now let's think about that for a minute. Yesterday had the wonderful opportunity. My youngest is a uh, senior at Wabash College. He hung up the cleats and the helmet a few years ago, but had the opportunity to go to the, the big rivalry, which I'm sure you've all heard of. You probably saw it on multiple channels yesterday. Division three rivalry, Wabash versus DePaul. The Monon Bell game, it, it means a lot to a few people, not everybody, but had the opportunity to go to that game yesterday. It's a great game, lots of fun, but I was reminded, I looked out on that field and it was kind of like looking back at the glory days. 31 years ago, I played my last football game on that field. And as I was reflecting and, you know, some things have changed, some things hasn't, haven't but this is what I remembered. I, I, I look back to that time, and as I went into that game my senior year, we were 6-2, and two. we were playing for the conference championship, huge rivalry, and I seriously thought in my mind, Jesus, I would give up a couple years of my life to win this football game. I honestly thought that. I, I may have even prayed that in some way. I think he took some cartilage in my knees and my shoulders. <laughs> By the way, I won't see you for a couple weeks getting a total knee. Brad, Pastor Dean, going to bring it. 
so you won't see me for a little bit. I'm, it's not, I'm actually going to the hospital in a planned way, which has been a change. <laughs> New experience for me. But anyway, as, as, as I think about that, I think about, I would have actually given up. I would have sacrificed to win a football game. Now, at the time, it made a lot of sense. On, on our scouting reports, we had a picture of this conference championship ring that we would go for. We would actually win the game. I would get the ring. It was a beautiful thing. And then a couple, couple years ago, I actually said, you know what? I haven't worn this ring in 30 years. Cash for gold, got about 350 bucks out of the ring. But here's what I want you to see. There is a pursuit... There is a pursuit of sacrificing for things that are not at the center of where God has us. Nothing wrong with football, nothing wrong with those things. But when it becomes an ultimate thing, when it becomes a thing at the top and at the center, it is a different deal. That's an idol. I like to say that was the last idol I ever had in my life. But I want you to think about that this morning. What, what are the things that you are pursuing? What are the things that you are willing to sacrifice? What are the things that you are putting at the very center that is not of God? That is not ultimate. To have an idol is to make even a good thing an ultimate thing. It means that my strongest love, my strongest attachment is to something other than God. My attachment is to the creation, not the creator. Paul says it this way in Romans 1.25. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever an idol ultimately is what we worship. Whatever we give ultimate worth to instead of God, it is an exchange, a substitution. The reality of an idol is our hearts naturally gravitate towards them. Without Jesus, that is where they go. So how do idols work? How do they work? Let's double-click on that and, and learn from the Apostle John. He says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. I want you to consider these verses. Three idols, desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. This trio has been translated differently. I want to share a couple of those with you as we consider it. The old King James, it's the lust. The Greek word epithemia, the desire, a craving, a longing, a desire. The Amplified Translation says it this way, for all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh in the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources, 
or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world. Eugene Peterson puts it this way in the message. He says, don't love the world's ways, don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Love for the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. I want you to think about how idols work. They work at the level of the heart, at the level of our wants and our desires, at the very level of who we are, our identity. I want to challenge you with three statements that I believe reveal some of our particular categories of idols. The first one is, I am what I feel. I am what I feel. We are often led by our feelings, our desire for happiness, our desire to feel good. Taught an old short story, a Kurt Vonnegut story, and there was something called the Euphio machine. A little machine, and when you, you, you turned it on, it, it created this sense of euphoria for whoever was in the room, which led to some very bad consequences at the end. But when you think about it, when we're led by our feelings, we are led by this desire simply to be happy, simply to be fulfilled by whatever makes us feel good. That can take a variety of forms, but when that becomes our ultimate, when feelings become our ultimate, we can be led astray. Paul says this in his letter to the Philippians, verse 19, Philippians 3, 19, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. That's not just overeating. That's not just gluttony, but the stomach is the seat of the feelings. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So when we, we are ruled by our feelings, what we are saying is what I feel to be true is ultimately true. What I feel to be true. And even as we look at our culture, this is not a new idea. Go back to Ralph Waldo Emerson's uh, essay, Self-Reliance. He says, to believe your own thought, to believe that what is true for you in your private heart is true for all men, that is genius. So one of the idols can be, I am what I feel. Now, when I say that, and when I say that can be an idol, let's be careful with our feelings. Mental health is a real thing. Mental health challenges are absolutely 
real. There are feelings of anxiety, there are feelings of depression, there are all kinds of feelings that we need help to process with. We can also take a step and ask the Lord to help us as part of this process to transform our feelings. But one of the idols we can have is I am what I feel. I love the Psalm 64, 1. Hear me, O God, as I voice my complaint. God can handle our feelings. God can handle whatever we bring to him. The second idol I believe we have to deal with is I am what I see. I am what I see. I am, my identity is based on my circumstances. Whatever I see with my eyes, whatever I look around and say, this is where I am right now. If my circumstances are good, life is good. If my circumstances are bad, life is bad. I am what I see. And then the third idol I think we need to take a look at very simply is I am what I do. I am what I do. That my identity, my purpose, my well-being is in what I do. It's wrapped up into my resume. It's wrapped up into my accomplishments. My friends, that is a heavy, heavy, heavy load to bear. To say I am what I do is an idol that can be difficult to get rid of. We live in a time right now Anybody like to say, I'm really busy? I'm really busy. Busyness is an acceptable idol in our culture right now. Sometimes we get in this process of saying, okay, the idols, the the, the things that are obvious, the things I know I ought to avoid, the pursuits of the flesh and all those types of things, but yet we are left with an idol of busyness. God has given you, God has given me, God has given us all the time we need to accomplish his will and his purposes. I don't know about you, but I have a really hard time with that. I think that's really difficult. I got rid of that ring, but I have a really hard time with control, I have a really hard time resting and saying, God will take care of things. My guess is I am not alone in this room. I am what I do. What these things do, as Peterson's translation says, they squeeze out our love for the Father. They squeeze it out. Idols have a way of changing over time. Theologian John Calvin 
famously said, the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. Maybe you can look back at your own life and say, the idols of my youth were this, and then that human heart of a perpetual idol factory just produced new idols in your life. So maybe you got rid of the the college idols, the youth idols. But maybe now it's good things that you've turned into ultimate things. It's work. It could be family. It could even be church. What are those idols in your life? What are they? What what has gotten a hold of, what has gripped your heart? Now, I don't want to leave you with just a diagnosis of your idols. Let's talk about how we change. Let's talk about how we get rid of our idols. 1 John 2, 17, he says it this way, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. That word abide remains. To abide is to be in Christ. I can't help but think as as the Apostle John was inspired to write this, he was reminded of Jesus' Jesus' words in John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We combat our idols, our pursuits that are not putting God at the center by abiding in Christ. Paul says it this way in Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So to change, to remove those idols, as we've said in the series, it's not a matter of just trying harder. Ugh, I need to get this out of my heart. We tend to try harder and, and, and perhaps we just get frustrated Or we tap out and we say, I'm just satisfied with where I am today. Jesus, I'll see you in heaven someday. And we miss out on what God has for us in the kingdom now. Or we can train. We can continue to renew our mind. We can continue to get God's word in us. And ultimately it's this. Paul says it in in Galatians 5, 16. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So as we train, and I would invite you to think about it today, we all have something here that's competing for that center spot. What is that for you? What is competing for the very core? What is not just at the top of your list, but what is at the absolute core 
that informs all that you do. So we can think about that. We can say, God, fill my heart. I can analyze that to death. But what we need to do is we need to make room for the Spirit of God to guide us. We need to pray. We need to slow down. We need to slow down. We need to slow down. And we need to be open to receive. Because ultimately, it is the very Spirit of God. Paul tells us in Romans 8, His Spirit, the Spirit of God, testifies with our spirit and reminds us who we are. And it's that very Spirit that fills us and allows us to abide to be in Christ. So as you look ahead... As you look ahead this week, what does it look like for you to abide, to stay connected? What does that look like for you? I'm looking ahead and I'm going to go under the saw on Tuesday. Not just the knife, but the saw. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm very hopeful that I can go on long hikes and do all kinds of things that I really enjoy doing. I have a, a vision to be able to do that. But it may not work out that way. Will I still be able to abide? As I'm doing all that fun rehab, will I be able to abide? Or will I just whine and complain? I talked to somebody who retired colonel who'd had had that and he said you know what jason you're gonna cry so thank you for that encouragement <laughs> but will i abide will you abide what, what is it you're going through what is it that's ultimate maybe you've got a super busy work schedule and you're like i just i just can't get it all together i can't get that calendar together what will it look like for you to abide Maybe you're just going through a really hard season. You're still in that forgiveness, reconciliation space, and it's just really hard. How will you abide? Will you allow Christ to be at the center? Will you allow the Spirit to be at the center? Or will you just let all those other things take center stage? How you feel... What you see, what you do, or will you fill that space with Christ? Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to you this morning, as we prepare to sing a wonderful song of abiding, we ask that you would help us to see you clearly, that we would see you and you would be so compelling, so beautiful that you would fill us so that the things of this world, the idols that we have, would fall away. And we know, Lord, it's only through the power of your Spirit, ultimately, that those idols can be removed 
and we can pursue what you have for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.